welcome to another mic session. My name is Michael Sanders, and this is Mic Sessions with Michael Sanders. This is the NBA trade deadline aftermath edition of a mic session. Last week, we talked about what was going to happen, what might happen, what was in the air, what little birdies were telling other people, and some of that happened, some didn't, some should have, some should not have, and my goodness, to say yesterday was a crazy trade deadline day would be an understatement. I mean, this NBA trade deadline was on crack. It was it was on something. It was it was way too lit. So the main team that we will be talking about today is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that is the team with the one and only, the best player in the world, the best player of all time, LeBron James. And so, as we talked about last week, their defense was fading, getting worse and worse. They kept on giving up big leads. It got so bad that against the Orlando Magic on Tuesday night, the Cleveland Cavaliers had a 21-point lead at one point and ended up losing by 18 points. So through that span of time, that means they got outscored by 39 points to the third worst team record-wise in the league, the Orlando Magic. And that's them. They did not have their best player, Aaron Gordon, on the court for that game. It was it was getting to an extent to where it was just comedic joy for even someone who loves LeBron James like myself. It was just funny to see. And then the next night against the Minnesota Timberwolves on ESPN, going into that game, the Cleveland Cavaliers had been 0-8 in their last eight primetime NBA games, which is terrible, which means that they were not beating the best teams because in primetime, the best teams play the best teams usually. And so LeBron James did it all himself, had a triple-double, It went to overtime, and the last three possessions of the game, LeBron tied the game. Then he got a game-saving block against Jimmy Butler, and then with one second left, hit a fadeaway jumper right inside the top of the key to win the game in overtime, 140-138. to So, going into that, Wednesday night. Thursday was the NBA trade deadline at, I believe, 3 p.m. Eastern Time or 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And so let's get down to business to defeat the Han. Shout out Mulan. Anyways, the Cavs' first trade was with the Los Angeles Lakers. They sent Isaiah Thomas, Channing Frye, and their own first-round pick for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. So, I first want to break down this trade. The Cavs made two more trades, and we'll go over those here in a minute. But, 
First trade, Jordan Clarkson. He is the backup point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers. He's been there for a few years. He's a really good scorer. He averages 14.5 points a game, shoots 45% from the field and 32% from three, and he's much better on defense than Isaiah. So if you just break this down piece by piece, Clarkson is better than Isaiah defensively and offensively at this point. Larry Nance Jr. averages about 9.7 rebounds a game, shoots 60% from the field. He's participating in the NBA dunk contest this year. And just from a pure production standpoint, he's outperforming Channing Fry. Channing Fry is averaging 5 points, 2.5 rebounds, shooting 49% from the field. So just from a pure production standpoint, the uh, Cavaliers got the better end of this deal based on the numbers. But when you look at, and then they threw in their first round pick, which should be somewhere between the... 25th, 26th, 27th pick, depending on where they finish in the uh, NBA playoffs this season. So, if you just look at the numbers uh, financially, the Cavs did not help themselves long term in this deal with getting out of the luxury tax and getting below the cap. Jordan Clarkson has two years, $26 million left on his deal after this year, and Larry Nance Jr., he has one year for $3 million left on his deal, and then he's a restricted free agent in the 2019-2020 uh, free agency period. And then Channing Fry and Isaiah Thomas were both expiring contracts. So in this deal, this was not a deal for Cleveland to get off salary. This was for them to make themselves better. Uh, the next deal they made was a deal that kind of got off some salary. So the next deal was in a three-team trade with the Cavaliers, the Utah Jazz, and the Sacramento Kings. The Cavs got Rodney Hood from the Jazz and George Hill from the Kings. The Jazz got Derrick Rose and Jay Crowder from the Cavaliers. And the Kings got Iman Shumpert from the Cavs and Joe Johnson from the Jazz. And so in this deal... The Cavaliers, they brought in George Hill. He has two years, $37 million left on his deal. He's a really good, versatile point guard. He averages 10, 3, and 3 a game. Shoots 47% from the field, 45% from 3. So what's great for LeBron is that he needs to be the dominant ball handler on a team. And bringing him in as more than likely your starting point guard or even two guard if Clarkson slides in at the one. They got two really good versatile guards in this deal. It will help the Cavaliers surround LeBron with shooters. So George Hill's a good shooter. Um, Rodney Hood is a good shooter. Jordan Clarkson's a good shooter. They got rid of Amon Shumpert, who has been bad from three. Derrick Rose has been bad from three. Jay Crowder has been bad overall, just not the value that he was. And so if you look at it, coming in, they brought in 50 points a game in production and averages, and they left 53. But, oh, last trade is Cleveland sent Dwayne Wade to the back to the Miami Heat for a heavily protected second-round pick. 
And what that means is that it's protected for a certain number in the second round for three or four years. And if it doesn't get relinquished at that point, it just vanishes. So pretty much Dwayne Wade, what I heard from ESPN sources was that Dwayne Wade and the Cavaliers kind of got together and they really made the deal happen to let Dwayne Wade go back to Miami where he first started. And it helped them... The Cavs get rid of a little bit of salary this year, maybe help some luxury tax purposes. And it just helped kind of ease the point guard logjam and the guard logjam because at this point on the roster, they have Clarkson, George Hill, J.R. Smith, Jose Calderon um, as their main guards. And so, and Kyle Korver also. And so it kind of create would have created a log gem there and uh they also have a guard forward in cd osman who is starting to get some playing time that was going to eat into Dwayne wade's and so now Dwayne wade can go back to miami where they're needing a late fourth quarter score and a good guard to bring some scoring for them with Dion waders out and it's good for the Cavs to kind of get rid of the log jam in their uh rotation so What's crazy about this is that I can see this as a win for both teams. Uh, Looking at going forward next year, I don't think this is good for the Cavs financially because this season they're at $137 million in payroll. And next year with LeBron's player option of $35 million, which no one expects him to um, opt into the expect him to opt out of his contract and sign a long-term deal with Cavaliers again or with someone else. Without that contract, they're at 102 million, which is pretty much what the salary cap is going to be next year. And you can sign players above when you're above the cap if they're your own players that are returning to your team. So if LeBron leaves, they're in a really bad position financially, but. With that being said, they brought in some pretty good people. Rodney Hood is a good 6'8 forward. He averages, let me see here, he averages 17 points a game, three three rebounds, two assists, shoots 39% from three, and he's just been growing and growing each year. And so he's going into restricted free agency this year. So that could either be a good thing or a bad thing for the Cavs if they can get him to stay. And if LeBron does leave in the end, They'll have a good core of Clarkson, Hill, Kevin Love, and Rodney Hood if they all stay put. So I think financially it doesn't help them, but I think it helps them this year because this group of players, no doubt, is a a better set of players not only for production but for chemistry because for anyone who watched Amon Shumpert, Channing Frye, Isaiah Thomas, Derek Rose, Jay Crowder, they were all just not gelling well. And from what people have said at ESPN and different sources and different um, NBA entities of sports news, that just there was growing tension among the team. And so I think what we're seeing is that they did a complete overhaul. They traded away six players, brought in four. And so it leaves them with two open roster spots. And so what we're going to see the Cavs do to fill out the rest of the roster is they're going to be playing the buyout market, which is going to include players like Joe Johnson. There's going to be 
several pretty good uh, veteran role players that can be on the buyout market, which is three weeks from t- uh, yesterday, I believe, where teams buy out these contracts so that they can go somewhere else. And so we'll see how that goes. But overall, I think for the Cavs, I think it's going to help them be more competitive in the East this year. Going into this trade deadline, if they stood pat, I don't think they were going to win the East. It was just their defense is so bad. Their worst defense in the league, defensive efficiency. And I think the chemistry was going to get worse and worse. Because Isaiah Thomas, though he had a few great years in Boston, um, he was shooting less than 35% from the field. He was shooting 25% from three. And so he was just taking a lot of shots and, you know, getting beat on defense by any single person they wanted to. And so I think we've seen there was some growing tension between LeBron and Isaiah. And so if anybody watched that game-winning shot from LeBron James, which was one of the best shots ever, LeBron James celebrated with every single person except for Isaiah Thomas. Now, I don't know if he intentionally did it. Isaiah Thomas is five foot eight, and he might have just overlooked him when he turned around and just when Isaiah Thomas is staring into LeBron James's belly button. But I don't know. I mean, it's he celebrated with even Channing Frye, Amon Shumpert, every single person, chest bumps, high fives, all that stuff, congratulating, except for Isaiah Thomas. So... I think there was a growing tension there. I think that the locker room chemistry is going to be better. I think these pieces fit better with LeBron. They didn't solve their big man issue because with Kevin Love gone, right now it's going to be Larry Nance, Tristan Thompson, and that's pretty much it for big men right there. And so I think you're going to see them be aggressive in the buyout market and try to bring someone else in. I also heard uh, from a podcast that Kendrick Perkins might be coming back just for a veteran uh, leadership role on the bench and in the locker room and might have some filler minutes just to draw some fouls or whatever. But for the Cavs, I think this is really good. I expect them to go through the East unless the Celtics get, say, a Joe Johnson on the um, on the buyout market or someone else. I expect the Cavs to go through the East. And so now... We get to the next team, the main next team involved in these trades, which is the Los Angeles Lakers. And so going into this week, uh, everyone thought that uh, the Lakers and LeBron had a good connection, that LeBron might go to L.A. next season, pair up with Paul George, DeMarcus Cousins, whoever, and form a super team in L.A. But Magic Johnson, or a report came out that the Lakers were recalibrating their focuses away from this season's or this offseason's free agency for the next one where players like Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, and a few other really good players out there that their contracts are coming up at that point that uh, they were going to recalibrate their focus on there. But what this trade did, which crazy to think about, that the Cavs might have just opened up a doorway for LeBron to go to L.A., so going into next season, the Lakers really needed to get off the $13 million they owed to um, Jordan Clarkson because at that point, their cap hit would have been about $50 million. They, would have, they wouldn't have had enough room for two max contract spots to ma- sign two max players. 
But with getting rid of Nance, Nance's three million contract and Clarkson's thirteen million, that saves sixteen million of money. So now they're down to just thirty-four million dollars, roughly, um, allocated to next year's contracts. And they also have like three or four different team options for Ty- Tyler Ennis for. Ivica Zubak and Thomas Bryant. So they want to deny those. They can save money there also. And so now they're going to have about 66 to 67, closer to maybe even $70 million left in cap space to where they could possibly make a run at LeBron. And their big contract that's even holding them back from having three max slots open is Luel Dang, who hasn't played much in the last two years, who has... 18 million owed to him each of the next two years. So if they can somehow get rid of his contract, and that's where I think is big that the Lakers got a first-round pick back in that deal also, is that nowadays a lot of teams package together really bad contracts, but they give a first-round pick for someone to take it on. So I could see a team like the Mavericks or the Bulls or the Hawks, a team like that has really big cap room, just like the Lakers going into this offseason might take Luel Deng's contract packaged with a first-round pick and maybe another pick with it just to take that off. Because at that point, the Lakers would only have $16 million in contracts, meaning they would have $84 million in open space if they got rid of Luel Deng's contract. And $84 million, now that's not going to be exactly three max contracts. Depend, I think with LeBron James and Paul George and one other, I think one of them might have to take a little bit less than the max, but not much. But say a team of LeBron James, Paul George, and DeMarcus Cousins go to L.A., and they still have Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Kyle Kuzma, that is going to be an amazing team. But this is going to be another conversation for another day because I honestly don't see LeBron going out west to compete with the Rockets and the Warriors, and the Spurs, and the Wolves every year for the next three or four years just because there's no guarantee he even makes it to the finals. If he forms a super team or joins another team with another star in the East, much easier pass to go. And so after that, there were a couple more small trades for the NBA tread down line. I will go over those just to for a little bit of talking points. Like again, we said on the last podcast, Blake Griffin was traded to the Pistons. Nikola Miritich was traded to the Pelicans a week or so ago, right after Boogie Cousins tore his Achilles for um, to be out the rest of the season. So they brought him in the Pelicans to try to still stay in the playoff race. There is a three-team trade between the Knicks, Nuggets, and my Dallas Mavericks. The Knicks got Emmanuel Moutier from Denver. Dallas got Doug McDermott from New York. And Denver got Devin Harris from Dallas. And also in the deal, New York and Denver swapped second-round picks. And I think Dallas got a second-round pick in there. There was second-rounders flying everywhere, just flying all around. And so in that deal, I think it's a good one for the Knicks. Uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis, the unicorn, having a great season, averaging 23 points a game, was probably the top candidate for most improved player of the year. Tore his ACL the other night. It's really bad to see. We've had a lot of bad injuries with 
Kevin Love, Gordon Hayward, Boogie Cousins, Chris Saps Porzingis, and um, John Wall. All these big injuries to all these star players. It's really, it's really sad to see just because they're all all-stars. It's going to affect their contracts. or They might not get as much money going forward as they would. So it's really sad to see. Um, Devin Harris goes to Denver. They needed a good veteran backup point guard to kind of run things for their second unit. I think Devin Harris can do that for them. And then Dallas got Doug McDermott. I think that's good for them. They need some more shooting on the outside. Their offense has been really stagnant as of late. Now, we still need to tank because they currently are tied for the worst record in the league, and they need to tank to get a higher draft pick. But I think this can be a good building block and a good role player for the future for the Mavericks, who can be a seventh or eighth man for your team. Last trade that went on was the Phoenix Suns traded a second-round pick to the Orlando Magic for Alfred Payton, and I think that's pretty good value. Alfred Payton uh, is a pretty good guard. He's had some up and down, been kind of inconsistent, but to get him for a second-round pick, he was a former first-round pick not too long ago, and so with Phoenix to get that for just a second-rounder, I think that was pretty good because maybe he just needs a change of scenery to get going. And so that kind of does it for the NBA trade deadline aftermath. Um, Not much more to discuss, but it will be interesting to see who gets bought out of the contracts, who goes where. Maybe Tyreek Evans gets bought out, maybe Joe Johnson. Maybe DeAndre Jordan, possibly even Isaiah Thomas. Different players like that that might be getting bought out of their contracts. Oh, also, it was um, pretty much almost a done deal that Derrick Rose will be bought out by the Jazz at some point. And he is expected to join the Minnesota Timberwolves, who has head coach Tom Thibodeau, who used to be the coach of the Bulls, where Derrick Rose used to play. And currently on the roster of the Bulls is Jimmy Butler, or on the Wolves, is Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson, who also played in Chicago. So it's going to be a Chicago reunion up in Minnesota. And so it'll be interesting to see how that works. Hopefully he doesn't take the minutes from the backup point guard from Minnesota. I can't remember his name, but he's a good young guard who plays behind Jeff Teague. And so that'll be interesting. But... For everyone out there, watch the buyout market, watch the news, follow Woj ESPN or Brian Windhorst on ESPN at Twitter. They have the up-to-date and best NBA knowledge and news out there for anything NBA. So I suggest highly you follow them, listen to my podcast, rate it, give it five stars, give it ten stars. It's not possible, but just give it ten. Tell your friends, your family, your enemies acquaintances tell everyone about this podcast get it up get it up get it up let's do it y'all let's see me grow if y'all have any suggestions on podcast ideas you can hit me up on facebook michael sanders you can hit me up on instagram michael sanders 1996 or is it 96 i'm not sure about that or you can hit me up on twitter mike sand underscore 23 This has been a Mike Session, the NBA trade deadline aftermath. Quick shout out to my big bro, Brian Sanders, for making this sick beat on the intro and outro. Thank you so much, bro. I love you. 
And finally, I got to get out of here. Y'all be good. Y'all be easy. Peace out, y'all.